Early days of Redskins training camp. Welcome to the DMV Sports Roundtable with Jamal, Chris, and Dimitri Glass enclosed. A little later, we'll hear from George Wallace in Richmond at Skins Camp out in the searing heat and humidity, or maybe it's thunderstorms. The uh, Redskins arch-rival, the Cowboys, stirring up some more controversy with the owner, Jerry Jones, remaining adamant that players on his team will stand for the national anthem. But he also said that President Trump's interest in what we're doing is problematic. That's kind of an interesting quote. So we'll get into some football in a little bit, but guys, we should start out with what the Nationals are doing, not doing. Will they be sellers? Will they be trading? What are they up to, Big Chief? Well, I am uh, very confident to say that this is one of the most, if not the most important series for this team, being that the trade deadline is July 31st, and you have to decide whether or not you're going to try and compete for this year. I think that they still can. You have games against the Miami Marlins. You got two against the Mets. You have four against Cincinnati Reds. Those are all teams with losing records. Then you go into a series with the Braves, who are atop of you in the standings. Do I really feel that great about the Braves or the Phillies right now running away with this division? No, I think both of them have their question marks as well here. Um, I think that right as of right now, you should be targeting a reliever if you can get it. Try and almost build a team like the Rays are doing, like the Yankees seemingly are doing with Zach Britton. Because starting pitching is your weak point at the moment. And let's face it, the top guys in the market right now have already been traded. J.A. Happ and Cole Hamels. And the Rays have already dumped off Nathan Ivaldi. So I think you got to try and still get a reliever. Because this team right now, as is, I do not think is built for a long run in the postseason. And it certainly doesn't help to have Anthony Rendon going on the paternity leave. I know you can't help that stuff out, but you're a major player who makes a lot of money. And now you're going to take three games off potentially in a huge series. I have a problem with that personally. I know that that uh, is a controversial take because it's the birth of your child, and I get that. I haven't had a child, but uh, I mean, yeah, I think some he, people I think say it's family first. I think it's but. one game. I think you fly up, you see the, the birth, and you got to you got to be back. This is your job. And so those are my thoughts. Yeah, uh, Jamal, you are a family man. I don't yeah, know if that I, changes I, your perspective. No, I mean, I, I get what he's saying when it comes to that. I think it's. Those situations are, it depends on the individual and each individual situation. It can't be lumped in that, you know, you should just take this amount of time. We don't know the circumstances. We don't know if it was uh, a difficult birth. We don't know if there was, you know, something went on with the mother and, then, you know, you had to induce labor. Something There might be something behind the scenes that made it so he needed that extra time to make sure and everything was okay. And I don't even know okay. definitively before I start really not bashing the guy that it'll be definitively the three days. I just, I guess I'm hoping that it's only really like one or two down there. Uh, but again, you're you're absolutely right. I'm hoping that, but I'm also hoping that everything goes smoothly because we need them. But I, yeah, uh, I mean, but at the same time, um, this team has been able to cycle in players. Adams, Reynolds, uh, Goodwin at one point before he was traded, you know, Michael A. Taylor, you know, kind of hops in and out sometimes. They've been able to defoe uh, Severino when he was here. They've been able to have enough depth in their rotation, you know, to kind of survive not having Zimmerman, not having Murphy, not having Eaton, you know, and guys like that. So they've been doing that all year. Is it a crucial time? Yes. Does he need to be here? Yeah, but, you know, you have to have the next guys come up. And I'm confident that the guys that they cycle in, they've been able to play well throughout the season. So, you know, two, three games, it's crucial, but it's not the end of the world. 
this team, first of all, needs to be able to string together some games. And you start winning series. They'll lose the first game, come back and win the second. Yeah. And then, you know, if it's a four-game set, they might drop the next two. It's about consistency and not about sweeps. But winning series from here on out should be the goal for this team to win series. But with the relievers, I mean, how many more relievers do you want to add? You got yeah. you add you got Herrera, you've got Doolittle, you got Madsen. I mean, how many more relievers are we going to throw back there? You know, before we can get something going, I understand Strasburg is out, and I'm saying people, you know, all due respect to Malone who played last night. I didn't know who the hell he was. <laughs> he's I mean, who is a, Malone? He's a, he's a journeyman. Who, who are these people? I mean, they they go through some guys that hit the ball there starting sometimes. I'm like, who the hell is that? Mm-hmm. I know it's going to be a long night, but he, you know, he played well enough, and they were able to win. I think maybe you got guys like Zim coming back, and he's still working out the kinks. Murphy missed a lot of time. Eaton missed a lot of time. Eaton's playing well lately. So yeah, that's I mean, it's, it's going to take them time to get it together. It's not ideal that they have to get their sea legs back, so to speak, in the second half of the season. When you're behind two teams, I got an uncle who's a Yankees fan. He's boohooing every damn day about the Red Sox. Okay, you're also like 30 games over 500. Mm-hmm. Those are rich people problems. My team is, you know, hovering around 500, a win uh, over or a win under, depending on the day. And I have, we have to leapfrog at least one team mm-hmm. to, you know, be in the conversation for a wild card. So we have two teams we're dealing with. So I really don't want to hear any belly anybody else well, about they have to get past just one team. So what? They just lost Judge. So I think some of those belly aching. Uh, they all, they also added uh, Britton, who's a hell of a reliever, yep. and an all-star starter in Hap. So how much crying can you do? And Judge is out, what, like three weeks? Uh, that's when he'll be able to pick up a bat, apparently. But that doesn't so, mean you're back in, Yeah, you know, it seems like September would be the Yeah, well, you know, well, that's when, you know, Stan has to step up. And I don't, I hate that we got started on this, talking about the frigging Yankees, because I hate talking about the damn <laughs> Well, we can, we can take another exit <laughs> ramp. You know, yeah. and, and Sanchez, his, whatever's going on with him, he's gone again, so... Yeah, well, I I brought up the Yankees just because they got one team to get across. We have two to try to track down. And I I understand, Chris, that Atlanta and Philly, you know, can they sustain what they've been doing? I I don't know. Yeah. But let's say Philly's got options. I mean, Philly could go out here and make a trade for Adam Jones yeah. at any time. Yes, they and could. then that adds some extra, another bat to what they have already. So those two teams can still make moves. But the fact that we're talking about, I don't even remember the last time we talked about the Phillies ever. Not, not the Phillies, but <laughs> the, the Nationals, the Nats as a seller this time of the year. Yeah. As a fan, I'm taken aback by that. We're selling? I mean, to me, that, that means you, you've given up on the season. You've thrown your hands up. And what is a crucial season, because Bryce Harper is a free agent. Rendon is a free agent. Murphy is a free I mean, it's a big season to try to figure out, can you get these guys to stay? Do you need them here? What is your plan going to be going forward? But if you throw your hands up in August, you know, end of, Jan- end of July, August, it's like, well, damn, what do, you, what do we do? Anyone going to the game next week against Cincinnati Reds? $1 tickets. Anybody get any of those? <laughs> I got dollar. It's probably too high up for my taste. Oh, uh, no. I uh, I got a dollar tickets. I'll be sitting in the outfield there against the Reds. So looking forward. How, how far up? Oh, uh, right along where the wall is, actually. Okay, so I kind of okay. think that uh, it should be a good time. I hope that they are still in contention by the time we do. I can't do nosebleeds. I, I, I have. 
Oh man, I, I just moved down. Do don't no you guys do that? <laughs> Dimitri's seats at the, at the Redskins games. Do we don't no need to move down. But, uh, I've stopped those days. Uh, I, once I got a taste of, of sitting up a little closer, especially at uh, Capital One and sitting close at, at Turfs games, I can't go back up there. Right. It's like going to first class and then got to go back to coach. I can't do that. Is it the Miami series? I mean, is that going to make or break this season? I always say that. You got to take three or four, in my opinion. Yeah, you I always take say that the, my, the, to cure what ails you, a series against the Miami Marlins usually cures what yeah, ails the next. This team beats when they're up on reeling the Marlins. and they get a, a, a series against the Marlins, that usually kind of gets them turned around. It did earlier this season where they were kind of you know struggling, but the Marlins being the Marlins, you know that that gave them a little life. So hopefully it'll do it this time. But the, just the fact that we're talking about them selling is. Oh, is that's especially geez. when it looked like it was like going to be a championship year potentially in DC yeah. after the uh, Caps won the cup, and I was thinking, man, Nats could easily win the World Series too, and then yeah. easily was certainly a uh, too early word for me to be using yeah. uh, when I was watching this team early on. Uh, but it is I mean, a long the, season, 162 games, and now we're kind of dealing with the dog days of summer. And yeah, and, and the injuries catch up, and we kind of forgot about it because, yeah. you know, Soto, you know, jumps onto the scene. Reynolds has walk-off home runs. Ten RBI you games. You know, and, and uh, Adams is, is hitting home runs, and we're kind of forgetting that Zim's not there and Eaton is working his way. Michael A. Taylor has, has been playing great. Yes, you know, so And in Rendon as well. And Trey Turner has his days. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with his Trey. His day was last night. He had a nice game yeah, last but night. The, the, the game before that, you know, was that one play was not his best. He just walked off. Yeah, he got and the picture's like, is, is he out or where is he? Is he out? Is he leaving or he just walked away? So when I see things like that, that kind of, you know, Makes me think that the it's, manager uh, yeah. is not really working out. I was going to ask about Davey Martinez. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm yeah not it's times him. that I don't know. It's too buddy buddy for me. If, if Davey knows what he's doing, a play last night, and it's not even. This is not on Davey. This is on the base coaches. Michael A. Taylor hits what should be a home run, a double, uh, because it hit off the wall. Yeah, yeah, it looked one. like a home run. You talk about a the Wilmer Defoe play, yeah, and he goes the first. Wilmer goes the second and goes back. What the hell are you doing? What is the first baseman? What is he doing? How does he even get back that halfway to the bag with Michael A. on first? And what is the the first base coach is doing? What? He's you should be sending him. He should have been on third. Yeah. Except now he's going back to first. There was no indication in that play that that ball looked like it was caught. So I'm trying to figure out why Defoe was going back to first base. Was he trying to retag? I don't. Yeah. I don't so he, he, was, he was thinking. Default thought the ball was going to be caught, so he wanted to tag and go to second well, base off the catch and get but a scoring once position. He's, with once out. he saw, once he and the first baseman coach saw that Michael A was on first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, turn around. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you still coming towards the bag when you see that man standing on first? Yeah. Turn mm-hmm. your ass around and try to get as the second, third, whatever you can get. But I don't I put that on. That's a brain fart on Defoe. But as a first base, what are you doing? Yeah, we're starting. If that would have happened in one of our softball games. And me and you were close to first base. Like, what, what, what is that? What are you doing? <laughs> One of uh, the people who reams out on the team, Noah or John Dolman, whatever, yeah. are giving me an earful. What are you doing? <laughs> who t- When people you know, get aggressive on the base pads and kind of we run ourselves out sometime, and Zach will be like, who sent him? 
And sometimes he sent himself. Yeah. <laughs> Some people send themselves, but that's one of those questions that Davey has to be like, who sent him? What what happened there? Where is the miscommunication? Because I'm looking at the, the first base coach like, what are you there for? You might as well just go sit in the damn dugout and eat sunflower seeds. Why are you there <laughs> if your base runners are doing bonehead things like that? We don't we can't have that. So you're saying that Noah and John Doman are the ones that yell at you the most? I would say that if anybody on the team that is uh, constructively, it's constructive. It's, oh, it's no, constructive. One, no one is constructive. You know, it's never no yelling. One is, no one is reaming anybody. Nobody's cussing yeah. nobody out. I mean, from what I understand, the big G is you know uh, usually the difference maker. Uh, uh, just yeah. with, with with the bat, but sometimes yeah, with the, the field, with, I, I don't hit the cutoff, man. So, oh, okay. So you're I, you're willing it, to take some every, direction every, there. Everybody has their you know whatever, but it, it's always constructive criticism. Nobody's out to tear anybody down. Yeah. It's never been that way. You know, we never had any, I think for the last, what, how long have I been doing? Four, five years, something like that. We've, we've come a long way since yeah, that. But yeah, but there's been no no shouting matches. You know, nobody gets into it. Like, nobody been, takes it too far. Yeah, no, there, there's been no heated. Jay Frey takes his sliding too far. <laughs> well, he does. Once, but he I does. love the effort that he's showing. You know what? He plays hard. I just you you got to real. I would much rather have somebody that you got to reel in than somebody that you got to light a fire under. Yeah, you know it's much easier to kind of say, "Okay, fella, just slow it down." But I love I, you. Got to love the effort. Love his effort. While we're waiting for Georgie in uh, Richmond and Skins training camp, let's talk about the much-hated Dallas Cowboys. You have <sighs> President Trump tweeting, way to go, Jerry. This is what the league should do. And, of course, what he's referring to is that Jerry Jones is going to have his players out there standing for the anthem. But Jones himself says, you know, Mr. Trump getting involved here, that's problematic and what, unprecedented. Well, everybody knows that. He's, he's problematic, period, no matter what the hell he does. But Jerry knows that when he makes those statements, Trump is going to go back and pat him on the back and make make it seem like good boy Jerry. That's that's what I want you guys to do. You're my guys. You're you, like they're doing his bidding for him. Now, if Jerry doesn't want him to get into it, shut the hell up or do something different because you know if you put anything on social media, if you put anything out there in the media in an interview or anything. Yeah, that's this my guy thing, is going to, to get back to it. Is it uh, was he asked the question by a reporter or was it just like a statement? Because if it was just a statement out of the blue that he yeah. said that, it's like that's a major head scratcher. Because like, why are you just trying to drum up something? If you're asked about it by a reporter, I'm not sure of the context. It's a okay. tough spot just because well, it was within a news conference. Okay. context. So I mean, but uh, I just this is what I don't understand. And, and Russell Okung, uh, I'm not even sure who Russell is. Russell still in Seattle, offensive tackle. I believe. So. I believe he's still in Seattle. Uh, he tweeted, you know, something to the effect of, "Why is what's the purpose of the NFL and the NFLPA meeting? I think either today or tomorrow, something like that." Uh, L.A. Chargers. Okay, he's with the Chargers now? Yeah. Boy, he's moving. Um, Damn, what, are he with Denver too? Uh, I did see a picture of him in a Denver Broncos uniform. I should know my offensive lineman a little bit more than that, but yes, you are right. And to think that people thought we should have took him over Trent Williams. Wow. Anyway. (laughs) So. (laughs) A little dig there. Just a little bit, just a little bit. But he was trying to figure out why even have the meeting if you're going to have as he put it, rogue owners make their own policies. Uh, your your Miami Dolphins came out last week or the week before last uh, with their policy that there will be a fine in place for those that uh, choose to abstain. 
uh, from from going on the field and observing the anthem. It's a messed up situation. It's, it's so convoluted, and I can't. They just can't seem to get out of their own way. Now the NFL opened it up to the owners when they came out with this, this new policy, whatever have you, saying that, yeah, uh, they can stay in or come out, but it's up to the teams if they want to make their own policies. That should have never been put in it. Because if we're going to come to a happy medium, uh, some sort of compromise that everyone can agree with, we can't give the option for owners who are arrogant and think they're above the law anyway to kind of opt out or undermine whatever agreement has come upon between the league and the Players Association. I wonder what would have happened if they had not announced this policy. I think that M- the maybe a few would players have, taking a knee. The, the, the debate would still have been there because yeah. people it, were still going to do something. And here's the thing about the president. I uh, am of the belief that he, A, knows what his base likes. It was like with the security clearances early this week. He Mm -hmm. knew that if he said that he takes away those security clearances, that his base will like it. He knows that his base is onto this national anthem thing, and he can poke all the uh, direction and, and any distractions that he's got onto the NFL, and they're going to say absolutely now. And, and I, I'm sort of of the belief that President Trump just has a grudge against the NFL because he tried to buy of the course. Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that's, oh, that's the root of all that. He is, sued them. He yeah. took them to court. He so sued this is them. his way of just divide and conquer the NFL, and then his, you know, he's got Vince exactly. McMahon coming up with the and, XFL. And, and, <laughs> and would you? And Vince McMahon's wife is somewhere in his, his cabinet, cabinet or somewhere yep. for whatever reason. So, it he's a, he stirs the pot. He's an instigator, and people who do that always try to take you off of what is what really matters and what it's really about. It's never been about the anthem. It's never been about the military. Never been about the anthem. But it is about something that he's not comfortable with. That certain people in ownership and, you know, old rich white guys do not want to talk about. So and, you know, his base doesn't want to talk about it. So if we can take this and make it anti, what do you do when you want to, with your president, you're the government, when you want to kind of change the narrative on something and get people riled up, you make it anti-American. And that will get everybody all revved up for old glory. But it's not about that. But he's taken it and he's made these players look un-American, look non-patriotic, look like they are not proud of their country or they don't support the, the military. Never been about any of that. It's about social injustice, which affects everybody. But this is more specific. But it's about social injustice. Us as citizens of the United States who are being wronged and as citizens of the United States, if one part or people uh, or ethnicity or religion, whatever it is, is being persecuted or violence is being done against as Americans, we should all care. Don't care what your color is. Don't care what your ethnicity or creed or religion. If we are all Americans and we buy into the United States, then we should all care 
what happens to other American citizens. But it's never been about anti-flag. To me, it's, it's a farce and it's, it's going so far away from what it's really about. And it's to the point where people know it's not about that. But they just it's easier just to say, eh, they don't like the military, so I don't like them. They're greedy athletes. You're making all this money. You can't. Not about that. Never been about that. But when you have it's like church and state sports and politics should never intertwine like that. No other president has intervened or said anything about what's going on with a specific sport. And like you said, it's the NFL. You haven't said anything about the NBA, WNBA, who those ladies have protests. No other sport. It's the NFL. And like you mentioned before, he has an axe to grind with the NFL. He hasn't said a damn thing about the NBA. LeBron or, or Dwayne Wade or anybody else. NFL only. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just I'm curious now how they go about it because they made the situation lax in terms of now they're saying it's not about you, you you know it's we don't have a hard rule in place here if if i'm going to guess what's going to happen almost it's going to be the nfl will make another radical decision and they're just going to say we're playing the anthem before the teams come on the before field. the teams That's come out you know what and and, and we, i think when we you have, would have to have your captains out wouldn't you but I don't, I don't no, even I don't know that no. you, you do the national because anthem, remember you have had, the teams run out. We had Rob Woodfork on. He said that, you know, this is relatively new. You know, and I remember back to when I was growing up, the only time that you saw the national anthem at a sporting event was the Super Bowl, was the all-star game in the NBA or, or you know, the finals or something like that. But just your everyday Sunday, your average Sunday, No. Yeah. It wasn't aired. I don't think in college they are out no, there No, they for don't. It, so that's, they, that they, might be they what... do it, but they don't show it. I've never seen it unless it's, once again, a national championship game. You know, something like that. But NCAA tournament, I've never seen them air the anthem in the Final Four or the championship game or anything like that. So it's it, the military bought that time from them yeah. anyway. It's all monetary. But... That would be the simple solution. Just don't air it. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you want to take it back that far, we could question why the uh, NFL did this to begin with, and I right. think it was the dollars, getting it's, the yeah, it's, Pentagon it's the dollars. You know? it's, it's the money to have that backing from the military. And it's, it's not a way to take acknowledging the military out of sporting events. Right. The Nets, you know, always have during, I don't whichever inning it is, at some point during the game, you know, they have them stand and people that the crowd acknowledges the, the uh, military people in the mm. stands. You can still do that. And we have a lot of military folks here in Washington, right. so it only makes sense. I mean, yeah, you can still do that, you know, throughout what if throughout all the sports, you can still do that without having to air the anthem mm-hmm. or just having the players. You can have it. Let the players come out after it's done. And that's it. I think and one other time. uh Maybe opening like the Thursday night kickoff or, or open the opening Sunday. I know they air them uh, having the flag out yeah. over the field and, mm-hmm. and things like that. But that is the most, like Rob said, that's the most simple solution. Just don't have them out there. Yep. And yeah. you could avoid all of this. But once again, money got involved. 
Now you have government involved. Now you have the president involved. Let's just, my mother used to say all the time, keep it simple, stupid. K-I-S-S. <laughs> so sometimes the, the easiest thing to do is the most simplest thing. And it makes it, all of this, go away. Yeah, and also the NFL has a problem too. So maybe it is just something that it, it's almost just piling on at this point with the concussions issues that do uh, are out there. And I know that somebody has basically told me that they don't really want to play in the fantasy football league. I invited them in because they're just not really into football anymore because of the concussion mm-hmm. syndromes and whatnot. So yeah, damn, they're not uh, playing. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I understand. I understand. Yeah, I don't that's, know. That's a, that's a little callous of me to say, but I mean, no, the first I thought thing it was a little extreme. Like, Damn, you act like you putting on a helmet. I think he may have are just been telling up? me uh, that he was just trying to get out of the league. So well, that was maybe but, well, but there are people I, I know that uh, yeah. have, have backed backed off on how much they watch, follow it, all because they think it's unethical now to. To have other players, you yeah. know, and you know, it's it's, it's for various reasons. Def- it's definitely uh, concussion CTE plays into it, and people are kind of backing off of that. The ratings and people watching, and, and yeah. you know what it's about. And you do have, whether it's black or white, you have African American people who are not watching it because of the uh, Kaepernick, Reed, black balls, and things like that. So they're stepping away from the NFL for those reasons. You have other folks, Caucasians or whoever, that are stepping away from it because the players are protesting. Mm-hmm. So you have people on either sides of yeah. this issue that are stepping away, or both stepping away from the game. And then you've got, you know, red zone and other things that go into it. But they're not just what both people on both both people on both sides of the table are stepping away from the league for their, you know, whatever reasons that they have. Right. And you, you might have made an argument. I'm not saying the NFL was ever a big unifier, but you might have people that you mentioned, uh, a white guy, a black guy. Maybe uh, they don't have all that much in common, but if they're both fans of the exactly. uh, L.A. Rams or something, you know, well, suddenly yeah. you're you're uh, you're brothers, you when, know, when in that you go respect. to any sporting events, whether it be NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, D.C. soccer, you know, whatever it is, Castles team tennis, anything. You have people from all different walks of life. You know, it used to be a time, especially maybe in the NBA and the NFL, that, you know, only certain people could afford the tickets or would would come out to the games. And now it's, it's not like that. You know, you have if you go to a, a, a tailgate or just in the park, just anywhere around the stadium, you know, you see Caucasian folks, African-Americans. Asian-Americans. All drinking drink beers. Yeah, Asian-Americans, <laughs> uh, Hispanics, Latinos, everybody. It's a melting pot, and, and to, it, it brings people together. Yeah, You might not have the same view on politics or on anything. Might even like the same damn movie, just, just something small. But when it starts to get to sports, and even if you don't support the same team, your love for the NFL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball, or NHL, whatever it may be, is a bond that brings you together. So... At the essence of it, the NFL is it, it it's a melting pot. It brings people together. There's all different walks of life that go to NFL games, a sporting events, period. Hopefully the polarization that we see in the country doesn't spread to the NFL, although what you described is it kind of is, you know, because of this yeah. this one issue. Does this make certain teams like the Cowboys, like 
the Dolphins who put these sort of mandates for this particular issue and these punishments, does it make it less of a free agent spot, landing spot for potential free agents who look at teams that they may want to potentially go to? And at this point, does their politics, are they going to be able to go to this particular team and peacefully protest if they want to, be able to speak on an issue that's close and dear to their heart if they can, or is it a place where they can't do that? They're going to be fine. They're going to be expected to be out there or else. Money be damned, you know, if you if you can't go with your own morals and your own values, your own beliefs, you know, there's not a lot of monetary value you can put on someone's morals. Most people who are have morals and beliefs and they stick by them, that money that you throw at them is not going to be a big enough carrot after a while. Right. And they might start not targeting these specific teams to go through during free agency. Yeah, I mean, uh, in addition to all the other considerations, is it a warm weather team, a cold weather team? You're going to say, is it an anthem team right. or a non-anthem team? You know, or, if or you're a young do, player. Do they have state taxes and you yeah. know, things like that? But now, when teams are making these sort of stances, it is now a box that a player is going to have to check yeah. when he's looking at potential landing spots when he's a free agent. And it, it really should have nothing to do with it. it. It shouldn't be any sort of outlier or issue that a player should have to check that box when considering a team or a new city to go to or even re-signing with the current team because he might be on a team that now has implemented something like that. And now instead of, well, maybe I, I want to stick around here, maybe, he'll, you know what, I got to go now. Yeah. Because I, I can't be heard here. So I was going to stick around, but now they're doing this. Okay, I've seen another side of them. I, I think I'm going to take my, not to, you know, slight LeBron, take my talents elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's the expression we use now when, yeah. a, when an athlete makes a move. Okay, time to bring in George Wallace on Skype from uh, Richmond uh, Redskins training camp. You got storms, <laughs> you got heat, or maybe a little bit of both? Very hot and humid, and the storms are rolling in. So the thing is, they get practice in the morning, which is a good thing this year because hopefully to beat the storms in situations like this, so they get a lot of good work in the morning. Colt McCoy has been signed again, and we know who's backing up Alex Smith. Yeah, and and he said we had a chance to talk to him today. He said that uh, it was an easy decision. He loves Jay. He loves being here. He loves playing for this team, and uh, he knows Alex is the starter, but... He says, I prepare. I know I'm one play away, and if I need to go in, I'll be I'll be ready. But he, he said it's a no-brainer. His family loves it, D.C., so he's, uh, you know. Uh, but look, the, the situation with the contract is they both can get out of it. They both have to, you know, th- they can get out of the deal at any time, and it's not going to cost them a lot of money. But he's not going anywhere. I mean, now, something happens with, you know, Jay Gruden, perhaps, maybe. But uh, as long as Jay's here, I think Colt will be here. Are there certain stipulations that he has to reach or certain goals he has to get to uh, in, in order to, you know, guarantee that seven mil? Or is it yeah, just guarantees on both sides? I think sides? it's just if he, if he plays, it, uh, uh, you know, a certain amount. I didn't look at all the details, but, yeah, yeah. that's why I think it's not going to cost them anything because I don't, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, he's going to make $3 million a year for this Jeez. year, so. Well, not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> not bad work if you can get it. And so right. I was seeing today, George, that it seemed like, all tweets from you and, and other people that were out there today that the defense pretty much dominated the day. Yeah, they uh, and you know, defense is always going to be ahead of the offense early in camp, especially yeah. and especially with Alex, you know, Smith uh, 
getting acclimated to his new t- new offense. But yeah, defense flying around, lots and lots of energy out there. I mean, look, and you've got DJ Swearinger in the backfield there, and Josh Norman, guys like that who you know, are very vocal, as we've seen, and we saw that last year, especially with DJ. But uh, and you know, it's going to be fun to watch. Is is that that tandem up front of Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne? Oh yeah. They both are loving playing together again, and you, you, it's it could be something fun. And I saw they sprinkled in Settle up there uh, next to Allen. Also, I saw a little bit of that today. Yeah, uh, I, I think he, they're gonna they're gonna give you know there aren't many starting spots up for grabs on this team at all. Right. But they need to make sure guys are ready to play, and I think it's the same situation there. I mean, I think he's gonna. You know, Tom Sulo will get him up to speed, make sure they're ready because they know injuries happen, especially look at look what happened last year. I mean, they had to, you know, fill a ton of holes. And I think that's what's going to happen. The running back situation, too. I mean, Derek Geis was given the first carry at camp yesterday. He fumbled. Mm. But all three court, all three running backs had uh, reps with the first team. I think it's going to be he's going to give Darius every chance to win the job. But it may be his to lose. We'll see. But I think he's uh they're going to make sure that all these guys are up to speed. And Kelly is day to day with a heat related injury. Like what? Yeah, it was hot. Him? It was hot yeah. up there. So, man, they're not even in pads yet, but he was, he's day to day with heat related symptoms that he said. And Ryan Anderson left with back spasms. Okay. Uh, Zach Brown was back out there today, which is good. Yeah. Uh, the field's a mess guys. I mean, the field's been, it's been covered, Yeah. but it's rained just like it has back at home. I mean, it's rained every day down here. They said last week. So especially the surrounding areas where we're allowed to walk. I mean, it's just mud disgusting actually it stinks too <laughs> i saw before it started uh maybe tuesday <laughs> that there was a potential for seven straight days of rain and they were concerned about that because gruden said it himself that field does not handle rain and water nope. very well at all no it doesn't and we've seen that remember a few years ago they had the helicopter out here trying to dry the field oh yeah that yeah, in the yeah. yeah remember that yes. yeah no i think that's the biggest i think that is the biggest thing that drives jake maybe crazy about this whole setup is the fact that there's no indoor facility because they have to go to the convention center if mm-hmm. need be to get inside if they need to get out of here and i was just about to ask i don't know how much time is left on this deal with two Richmond? years it's two an eight-year deal i thought it was a seven-year deal but okay. i was corrected it's an eight-year th- so this is year six so and and i don't anticipate them building indoor facility down there so after, no. after this is up, will they be moving back to Ashburn or try to find another spot that has a, a indoor bubble for inclement weather like that? Yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, I think I mean, we'll see what happens, but you know, a lot can happen in the front office, especially too with Bruce Allen and you yeah. know Jay Gruden, even between now and then. But yeah, I mean, everybody's not happy with the deal. Uh, you know, nobody's living up to their end of the bargain. Everybody says, but they still keep coming back and. I think the setup's pretty good, though, for the team at the at the hotel. They have all the meeting rooms they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's everything's kind of close. Um, the fields are right there. You have two big fields and the weight room in there, and you know it's it's everything's is is compact, which is nice. But, but, you, but again, but again, it's not their it's not their facility, not their locker room, not right. their right. you know. I want to ask you about the defense real quick. Because you, you you'd mentioned how vocal uh, Swearinger and Norman mm-hmm. are. And I saw uh, a clip of, of Jonathan Allen's interview yesterday, and he was asked the question of what is expected of this defense. He said to be badasses. Now, Being badasses. This, this is the defense that over the years hasn't really had much, or the team period, had had much of an identity. Does it seem like this team is starting to get the identity as a, a physical, hard-nosed, 
you know, knock your ass out sort of a, a defense? Yeah, that's what they want. Good. I mean, that's you know, that, that's what they want. I mean, you, and especially with, you know, you got a guy like uh, Tom Sula back there who's just he's a he's, he's a maniac, which is great. Yeah. Um, you know, they take on that they take on, you know, that attitude of their coach, and we saw that a little bit last year. But no, these guys, I think they. I think that the, the sense that I've been getting is the fact that they realized last year they could have done so much more without injuries, mm-hmm. and it, it was a lost year. I mean, look at Allen went down after five games. That thing fell apart up front. Yeah. So now with him back and, and Payne and Ioannidis, who played well last year, and Preston Smith and Kerrigan on the outside, and you know Mason Foster and, and Zach Brown, I mean, they, I think they, they're out for something to prove. And there are a lot of leaders on that team on the defensive side. And, and then you had a veteran like Skandrick, too. So we'll see what he's able to do. But, um, you know, they definitely want to be physical. And you see it. Yes, it's only two practices, but the energy is definitely there. They're very vocal. I think they've added some pieces, uh, some of the players that they brought in. Kind of play with a mean streak, with an attitude. Deron Payne definitely plays angry. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I think Sean Dion Hamilton. Adonis Alexander, some of the guys that they've brought in, Monte Nicholson, they have that mean streak in them. They play nasty, I, I think. And them being young and hungry adds to that sort of uh, bravado that they want to bring to this defense. Because you can't have a whole bunch of old farts out there and try to be mean and nasty and just try to make some money. <laughs> these, these dudes are young and hungry, and they play the Alabama. But we all know that the Alabama guys play with a mean streak, with intensity. They got a well, lot of yeah. Virginia Tech guys, and we all know that they play with a chip on a little bit of edge also. So it's a lot of guys, and guys on the other side of the ball too. And look, you mentioned it. Those guys are used to winning also. Yes. You know, Jonathan yes. Allen and Deron Payne, they're used to, they're winners. I mean, they're yeah. used, that's where they come from. And Jay said it too. He says, anytime you get Alabama guys, you know what you're getting. They come from a winning culture, and that's what they want here. Um, so, yes, even though they are young, but they still – have proven themselves. I mean, they're national champions, you know. So I think that does say that that does say something. And Geis is just—you mentioned Geis. I mean, he's a—he's very. The thing I've kind of noticed, he's very strong. Mm-hmm. Like he's very strong, uh, you know, at the point of attack and things like that. Yeah, I know they don't have pads on, but you can just kind of get that—that yeah. feel. Um, and it's all. You know what else is interesting? Before I forget, I want to talk about mention the offense. Is it's going to be interesting because Alex Smith doesn't have. Um, he doesn't have his favorites yet, right? Like right. he doesn't have guys that he can trust. You know, Kirk Cousins wasn't going to throw to you know Jamison Crowder right. at, at certain times, or who, just picking out or names. Dotson, but, you know. Yeah. So and you know Smith is going to give everybody a chance, which is great yes. because everybody's it's a it's a it's a it's a clean slate, uh, and everybody's going to and and Smith will you know spread the love around and you know I've mentioned a few times about how um, we all know what Jordan Reed can be when he's on the field. And I think that it's they see glimpses of that, and I think that is getting, um, you know, the anticipation of Jordan being on the field is great. And look, we we always forget about Jordan Reed because he's not on the field much. Well, he's looked like he's been. I was just about to ask you about him. He he claims that he feels 100 percent better. I saw some clips of him uh, running some routes today, and you know, he was in. I think him, Moses, and Trent were all in. 11 on 11s, I believe. They were. Yeah, first time. So that's good. That's a good yeah, sign. That's a great they sign. They only sat out yesterday, um, and they've done the individual. But, yeah, today they were back on the field doing 11 on 11. And, and Jordan Reed hopes – I mean, look, he had the surgery on both toes. I mean, yeah. that's, they hope that it's it's done now, and he says he feels really good. So we'll see. The thing that's really good to see back on the field is Chris Thompson. Oh, yeah. yeah. By the way, yeah. And you were mentioning how Alex Smith has kind of spread it around. 
How does that benefit a guy like Robert Davis, who I think is, uh, like Mike Mayock would say, is a height, weight, speed guy. Um, I've seen a couple of clips. He's made some pretty good uh run some good routes, some catches. Uh, Maurice Harris, even mm-hmm. undrafted guys like Simi Cobbs and uh, Sims from Alabama, other two uh, big wide receivers. And, of course, you know everybody's favorite on Twitter, Trey Quinn. So how does that benefit guys like that when you know he's not going to particular people, he's spreading the ball around, and it's an equal opportunity for everybody to kind of you know show what they have? Look, a lot of those guys, and Jay even admitted too, those guys aren't going to get a ton of reps in practice because you know the other guys are trying to get ready. You know, again, it's one of those that the quarterbacks are giving them opportunities because they don't necessarily have their – he doesn't have his favorites yet. I mean, so I, I think that that – you know, I know play calls are for certain guys at certain times, but I think that they are – you're seeing him, the ball spread around early on in this camp. Uh, Trey Quinn is a, is a is a fan favorite already, yeah. as you can imagine. He was when he, um, when he was drafted. He was he was look, already he's going to make he's going to make the team. He, he'll he'll play special teams. He's yeah, and it, he should. And you know what? You don't have a direct backup for Jamison Crowder who can play that slot position, and he runs very crisp and precise routes, and he's got good hands. So he he's an ideal backup. If anything, God forbid, what to happen to uh, Crowder if he had to miss any sort of time this year. That would be a guy that'd be easy to plug in, and you'll get yeah. the same not the same result, but something similar. Yeah, and and the the the, uh, the other overwhelming theme is the fact that how the so much competition, so much depth at every position right now. I mean, they yeah. have seven running backs right now on the roster. Yeah. So people, you know, they forget about Bibbs and Marshall, right? And those guys. Uh, what about the fullback? Has, has have they kind of used that look yet, or not yet? You know, I haven't really paid attention enough to see. I haven't. It hasn't stuck out. So uh, I know they the, they got one. They signed. Uh, I think he's from West Virginia, I believe. Uh, undrafted free agent, and Jay kind of hinted that he may, you know, kind of put that in the mix this year. But I just want to see if they have gone to those looks yet. Yeah, I haven't noticed it. To be honest with you, I'll 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 uh, I'll look at it more. Yeah, two more things. How's Phil Taylor looking? Because I mean, everybody oh. knows that's a great story. Yeah, great. That's a he's a big boy, man. Yeah, I mean, just he's a local guy too. You know, local. Yeah, DC guy, DMV guy. So is yeah. he, is he and, looking like he's making a comeback or has a chance to you know contribute this year? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, he's on the field. He's going through everything. I mean, and, and players talk about him as far as you know being back out there and the great story that he is. Uh, so it, I mean, he was. You know, you have to refresh my memory. He got hurt right the last the last game last year preseason. Yeah, preseason game he went down. Yeah, so he was a great was story then. But yeah, he's local and he's back. They're giving him another shot. So uh, look, and that's another depth thing of yeah. depth that they could use. And then you know, with McGee, you know, he may so he may start off on the pup. So he'll be gone for the first six games possibly. Yeah, and Jay Jay said there's a good chance he he could. Uh, do that and miss some time so that's another person that's another thing yeah, up front that you have to watch yeah yeah but i thought he was going to have some competition and be anyway battling with hood and lanier and settle and taylor you know for to try to get maybe the last spot on the on the defensive line but on you line, yeah you mentioned preseason before how do you see jay approaching the preseason this year we've seen years before he's been overly cautious with his quarterbacks Very. and it shows in the first game or two sure of the does. season. Yeah. Uh, they may play a series in the first game, come out and play maybe a half or a quarter in the third, and that's about it. Do you see him handling any different with Alex Smith than he did with Cousins? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think we were kind of us talking amongst ourselves about that, and I think it's one thing that we'll bring up and ask Jay as we get closer to that first game, maybe on what he learned about the preseason. Because you're right. I mean, it's been a lot. I mean, they they come out slow, and you know, I get it. You don't want to get anybody injured, and this year may be different because it's Alex. You're right. I mean, mm-hmm. he's still trying to get these, you know, get the reps, get the rhythm down. So play him a quarter. I, mean, I don't see anything wrong with it. Play him. Maybe all right, fine. Not the first game, but the second, third game. Play him a quarter, then play him a half, yeah. or play him. You know, three quarters, but I, I, they need to play, and I, I think that uh, it has shown in the past, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does, in fact, do. I don't that has not come up yet, but I'm sure it will. I think Alex, being the veteran that he is, being though it's he's been 15 years in, he's 34 years old. I think he'll be able to dictate to Jay what he's going to be comfortable doing, how long he needs to really play to get into. Because at this point in his career, he knows. Yes. Okay. Well, how many series I need in this particular game? Do I need to go a quarter or a whole half in the in the third game? Right. He knows that already. I don't think that was something that Kirk Cousins was. He just waited for Jay to kind of dictate to him. Okay, then you're playing this. You're playing this. And Kirk didn't really know, and it's not his fault. But being a seasoned vet that Alex is, I think he'll be able to tell Jay, "Look, nah, you gonna take me out of quarter? No." Or you just want me to do one series? Nah, I think I need another series or two. Yeah, and I think yeah, him being who he, I think Jay'd be like, I, okay, go ahead. I know. I'd say I equate it to kind of like you know these veteran guys in baseball. You know how many at bats you need in the right, spring right. to get ready. Um, and I think that you're right. I think Alex will. They'll have that conversation, and because it is a different situation. But you're right. This is year 14 for him, so I think he'll he'll know when he's ready. And I think that's a good point. I think he'll and and Jay and Jay will listen. Yeah, you know, yeah. he'll listen to him. Was way too much made of Darius Geis dropping the ball in day one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, it's funny though; it happened right away. Well, you know, <laughs> all this talk, and then it happens right away. But I think uh, you know, you got to hang on to the ball. We'll see. You know, Matt Jones had that issue. Um, I don't think Geis has put it on the ground since then. I don't think he did it today. If he did, I didn't see it. But um, I, uh, yeah, I think that's just something that happened and. You know, everybody well, everybody if, drops if, the ball if, at some point, and yeah, better, better now right, than though, in a game. If, if it happens, can, keeps happening in practice, then yeah. yes, it will become a thing. Well, you know what? Now I go back to last year with Kareem Hunt, who never fumbled at all in college, and his very first carry in the National Football League is a fumble. Right. But Andy Reid sticks with him, and he goes on to have a monster game. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I kind of look at that as my barometer of okay, okay, he did it once, fine. Okay, don't. Don't throw him on the side. Don't take him out. You know, let him keep going. And, and you know, guys, like you said, he hasn't done it again. I don't think he's had many ball protection issues. You know, uh, Matt Jones carried the ball like a, you yeah. know, a loaf of Wonder Bread, and he's swinging <laughs> all over the damn place, you know, like a shopping bag in his hand. Yeah, so it's true. It's, it's different styles. I think that the way that he runs, you know, you kind of want him to have that ball control because – P Ryan runs the same way, and P Ryan had that same issue last year. So I yeah. see, I see where some of the alarm comes in early, because in the yeah. preseason, P Ryan started to put the ball on the floor a whole lot, and it kind of spilled over a little bit. But like you said, if if it doesn't pop up, you know, first carry, get out the system, just you know, go on with the rest of the camp. I don't know if you saw my tweet earlier or not, and the fans are in midseason form. By the way, you follow the training camp blog on our on WTLP.com throughout camp. We have tons of fun stuff on there but yep. one of the fans today p ryan rips off a 10-yard run 
And one of the fans who's sitting next to me yells, oh, now P. Ryan wants to run. <laughs> oh, okay. So, there, I mean, I, I, I love it. They're in midseason form I mean, already. Look, he did have, what, 200-yard games last year. So, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, he did something. And this is, this, this is for you and Chris Chase, if you're listening. I have not mentioned – Moreau, Fabian Moreau, not <laughs> once today. So I just want, Listen, I want that you know noted. What, I'm glad you mentioned that because he had a heck of a pass breakup in practice today, and I made a See? mental note to, to bring it up today, and I told forgot you. until you just mentioned it. See? <laughs> I told you. I'm the, but for Chris Chase, if you're listening – I love See, it. you didn't get me. But see, you you brought up Moreau without bringing up exactly. Moreau. Exactly. See, it was very I, stealthy. You see what I did there? See, <laughs> I see what you did. This is a method I to my madness. Look, he had, a, he had a great play. He had a great play in practice. Did you guys read Jerry Brewer? Uh, no, I have what did not he read say? Jerry. Jerry I, is down here. I have not read him. I don't mean to insult the column by only picking out one line, but he said they don't have any big holes in any position, which is good, but they don't have too many what he would call bulletproof guys, which the no. major contenders in the NFL need to have. They have a lot of question marks, and mm-hmm. that comes from, number one, health. You have a lot of guys coming back off of injury. Number two, for once, this team has a lot of youth, a lot of young talent. So that's where a lot of question marks lie. It lies with the uh, with the health of Reed and Thompson and guys coming back, uh, Allen and Taylor, whoever coming back from injury and Ioannidis. And it also goes with the young guys, Adalis Alexander, Fabian Moreau. Oh, you got me. Monte yeah. Nicholson. <laughs> Monte, well, nobody's you know, Monte Nicholson staying healthy, guys, and the development of the younger players. So mm-hmm. it, on paper, they don't look like they have a lot of holes. I wouldn't call them holes. I call them question marks. So if they if they have health and these young players play up to their caliber of talent, then I think, you know, they can sneak up on some people. But those are the two big question marks, not holes is question marks. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, and, and the, the other good thing, look, it's a it's a good problem to have when you have mm-hmm. a lot of competition. I mean, and, you know, Mike Shannon always used right. to say that. Um, and that's a good thing to do. And, and it's also. You know, with the guys coming back, there aren't many starting spots that are open right now. No. So it's a that is good. That is it is the consistency thing. And and I asked Jameson Crowder that today, because Jay mentioned about you know the the consistency. Because even from the coaches, he goes, I love the fact that I come in the room and I see the same coaches you know this year as well. So players take note of that. Trent mentioned I mentioned to Trent yesterday and Jameson today, and they said absolutely like that can't be overstated. So and it also good. means you have depth now. You know, if we do have injuries. We don't have to go, you know, dragging people in off the street. You right. know, uh, guys who've been sitting on the couch for months and all of a sudden now they're in, in, in Get uniform. back into shape, yeah. yeah. So you, you have quality of depth, and that's something they've also lacked for many years, young depth. And when you're talking about competition, there's nothing better than competition, but the only thing better than that is competition between young, hungry players who right. are want to make their mark on the team. They want to, you know – get their role and get their niche in this team and they want to make their presence felt. And when you have young guys, whether it be a Robert Davis who's been there for two years or Maurice, or Maurice Harris with these younger guys, Simi Cobbs or Sims or, you know, whoever coming in, that's always great to have young guys. The old guys don't want to compete for nothing. Right. They want to be there established. This is my job. Tell that youngster to get over there. But when you have young guys jockeying for the same spots, it's going to bring out the best in everybody. And by the way, before I forget, also, I want you to write this name down for the summer. Okay. Uh, like uh, Kenny Ladler. I've heard Safe- him before. Safety. 
Did he? Wait a minute. Did he huh? go to Cal? Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. I know I know that name, but yeah, I've seen some, I've seen other people mention yesterday, and then also had a big hit. So mm. that's my guy. Okay, because I've seen other people mention him. Not not Fish Smithson. I saw uh, Alexander had a, a pretty good coverage on uh, Paul Richardson. It was a poorly thrown ball. Richardson went up, hit the ground hard today. He was slow to get up. I think he had the wind knock out of him. That may be the same one you're talking about. Yeah, because Alex, when I saw the, I mean, just the the difference in height. Alexander is so big, and you just see how small Paul Richardson is in comparison. Oh, and it's almost unfair. But yeah. I thought it was pretty good that somebody his size could be there almost step for step. And he broke up the pass. Like I said, it was a poorly thrown ball. It was underthrown. But he yeah. was there pretty much step for step with Richardson, who's got, you know, world-class speed, as we know. But mm-hmm. for a guy, Adonis' size, to be able to hang with him, I'm like, okay. Cause I thought maybe he should just be a safety. Now, he, you know, maybe he can play a little corner on outside. Maybe, yeah. We'll see. All right, just next time, man, can we can we all get credentials? We can, can we do this? Can we do the show from Richmond? Bon hey, is next year. Let's do this show live. We can do that. We can make that happen. I see JP and B. Mitch and everybody <laughs> is Tandler live doing their thing. Oh, yeah. They're, doc, live. They were doc, the, doc, they're they were down the, there doing it. Can we get big time like that? Can, we, can you do were, that for they us? They were at the, the brewery last night doing their show. I, I was watching it. <laughs> were you? Yeah. I was watching I it, and I'm seeing people, fans that I follow and follow me on Twitter in the background while B. Mitch and, and JP are, wow. are, are doing so, oh, You wanted to be such. there. You wanted to be there, Joe. I'm seeing that's people funny. that's on my timeline on a daily basis f- mingling and floating behind as they're they're shooting live with uh, JP and B. Mitch. That was It was funny to me. That's funny, yeah. But I yeah, didn't make it over Joe, there for we, that. We got to get didn't. down there, man. Everybody, all four of us got to get there. And Chris Chase. All right. Look, we're if you come down, we'll set it up. They, live. They, Get us credentials. We're, we're going to do it in the middle of the field. <laughs> oh, okay. In the mud. In the, in the mud in of the, the field. Mud. We'll get a tent. Good catching up, guys. All right, George. We'll hope for the best for training camp here. We'll see what we can do. I'll All see right. what I can we'll bring see, back for you. We'll see you next week, man. <laughs> okay. Right. Thanks, guys. For George and Jamal and Chris, I'm Dimitri. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, and WTOP's mobile app. All you have to do is tap listen. For Redskins fans, large and small, all around the world, God help us.